you to join us for a half hour of inspiration, sharing, and teaching in a new program of Orthodox Christian Renewal. This comes as an outreach of the Logos Ministry for Orthodox Renewal, headquartered in Fort Wayne, Indiana. The founder of this ministry of faith is Father Eusebius Stefanu, Greek Orthodox priest, author, and evangelist, who's been called by God out of pastoral and professorial posts to proclaim the end-time message of salvation, healing, and deliverance in Jesus Christ. Father Stefanu comes to share a message of love and hope with both those who've never known Christ and those who are already members of the church but have never experienced the fullness of God's redeeming grace and healing power. At the close of the program, we will give you the address where you can write our evangelist. And now, our speaker and host, Father Eusebius Stefanu. Did you know that we're together today by divine appointment? Now, don't Turn that dial. God has brought us together again for a half hour of fellowship and teaching and inspiration. I want to share with you today what God's Word tells us on a very vital subject, a very interesting subject, the subject of demonic oppression and deliverance. Deliverance is also referred to as exorcisms. I want to talk to you about how Jesus Christ can set you free from demonic oppression. Have you noticed recently how much renewed interest there is in this most vital and fascinating question of deliverance and exorcism? But before we get into the main message today, I want to thank all of you out there who have been praying for this telecast and for your letters and your offerings. And I want to ask you to write me this week if you haven't written me so far. We're living in, a mo in the most exciting period of history, my friends. Be part of what God is doing in this last hour as he prepares his people, his church, for the return of Jesus. Now, you want to be in the flow of the Holy Spirit and in the end time move of God. Time is running out. It may be too late if you wait any longer. God wants to renew His church. He's touching and He's changing lives. People who have been going to church for years are suddenly coming alive and being fired up with love for the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says that God is love. Now, when God created man, it was an act of infinite love from the very beginning. God created man in such a way that he would be able to fulfill his destiny only by remaining in an intimate relationship with himself, with God. This is why God breathed into Adam the breath of life, in other words, his Holy Spirit, and man became a dwelling place for God. Man's body was destined to be the temple of the Holy Spirit. This indicates how much importance God attached to man, how precious man became in the sight of God. And I want to turn to uh, the book of Genesis where we read that God formed man out of the dust of the earth 
and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and Adam became a living soul. In other words, God gave of himself to man. He is a self-communicating God. He imparts to man of his own nature. Man becomes a partaker of divine nature because he is created in the image and likeness of God. But this close relationship did not last very long in the beginning. Eve broke the commandment of God and ate of the fruit off of the forbidden tree and then gave to Adam to eat. And this act of disobedience and rebellion against the Creator caused a change to take place in their relationship with God. In other words, it separated them from God. Sin always separates you from God, friend. And Adam lost that intimacy with God. He was alienated, in other words, from God. The sin of rebellion banished the Holy Spirit and forfeited the breath of God. Man came under the curse. And I want to read further on from the book of Genesis. That the Lord God sent forth, sent him forth from the Garden of Eden to till the ground from whence he was taken. So he drove out the man and he placed at the east of the Garden of Eden cherubims and a flaming sword which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. So man ceased. He stopped to be the temple of the Holy Spirit because he came under the curse of Adam. He died spiritually. He became separated from God. He became a child of wrath and a child of the devil whom he had listened to. Now when you sin, that's what you become. You become a servant of sin and you become a child of the devil. As you come under the dominion of sin, you become a slave of the devil. Of course, each man and woman that is born into the world is born in sin, according to the Bible. That is, in separation from God because of the rebellion of our first parents. But the point I want to make here, which is of crucial importance, is that the moment the Holy Spirit withdraws from man and abandons man, evil spirits from the kingdom of darkness come in to take the place of the Holy Spirit. In other words, Satan fills the vacancy. Man's body was created by God, as I said, to be a dwelling place, a permanent abode of a spiritual being, the Holy Spirit. Man can never be empty. There can never be a spiritual vacuum in man. And as soon as God's Holy Spirit vacates man's soul and body, Satan knows his rights. God gave Satan the right to step in and to fill in the vacancy. So when you fall into disobedience and rebellion, God, as it were, hands you over to the person, to the power that has become the new Lord of your life. In other words, the devil. So demons are evil spirits. They are evil angels who have personality. They have a desire. They have emotions. They have a will. But 
These evil angels and evil spirits are without a body. They are incorporeal, bodiless powers. And they go around looking for a body to enter and to live in. And once they get into a body, they take control of that individual's life and personality. Their objective is to thwart and to defeat the purposes of God for man. To keep man from becoming in the image and likeness of God. In other words, to drag man down with themselves into the pit of darkness and eternal hell. Jesus says, and I quote from the Bible, from the Gospel of John, chapter 10, verse 10, the thief cometh not, and that's the devil, cometh not, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. So God had every right to keep man under the curse of Adam. This was the mandate of divine justice. It was just for man to come under the sentence of condemnation and eternal death. But on the other hand, God's love devised a way of saving man without violating his divine justice. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, into the world to make expiation for your sins, to atone for your sins, and to become sin and curse for you, that you might become the righteousness of God in him. Jesus Christ paid the penalty of sin for you by dying the death of the cross and by shedding his precious blood for you and for me. Now we read in the scriptures, in uh, the first epistle of John, chapter 3, verse 8, For this cause was the Son of God manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Jesus Christ brought the power of Satan to naught. The Apostle Paul says, and I quote, from the book of Colossians, chapter 2, verse 15, he spoiled in other principalities. In other words, he stripped them. He spoiled powers, and he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Paul says in the epistle to the Hebrews, chapter 2, verse 14, that through death, he, Jesus Christ, might destroy him that had the power of death, that is, the devil. So the devil, friend, is not a mythical being. He's not simply the personification of evil, but he is a real creature, an invisible being, a spirit, and a real personality. A real person, in other words. But he is your adversary and my adversary, he is your worst enemy, friend, and he's out to destroy you spiritually, physically, and mentally for time and eternity. So we need to know the snares of Satan. The program of Satan, on the one hand, is to prevent those who do not know Jesus Christ as Savior from knowing him and from getting saved. On the other hand, Satan will work on those already saved by faith in Jesus Christ in order either to cause them to backslide and to lose their salvation, and if he cannot succeed in that, then he will try to vex your life even though you are saved.
and he's gonna, he, he will try to rob you of complete victory in some particular area of your life and personality. This is why some of the best Christians, though baptized and saved, endure so much misery in their physical and mental and emotional life. They seem to leave, live defeated lives. Their lives lack victory. And tragically, many Christians in the churches today go through life enduring such a demonic oppression needlessly. You see, the born-again believer cannot be possessed by demon spirits, but he can be oppressed. There's a difference between possession and oppression. To be possessed is to be completely under the ownership of evil spirits. But if you have received Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, and you have accepted his atoning death upon Calvary's cross, you were purchased with a price and ransomed from the devil. However, you can be oppressed and vexed because of certain demon spirits that find their way into your body and begin to rob you of complete victory and complete joy. And this very often is due to some disobedience in your life. I don't know who you are, you who are watching this television program, but I want to tell you that if you are outside of Jesus Christ, you are under condemnation, under the curse of Adam, a dwelling place, a temple of unclean spirits that are preparing you for eternal perdition destined for the devil and his angels. But there is hope for you, friend. You don't have to be in spiritual bondage as a child of wrath. You don't have to end up in the unquenchable fire of eternal hell because God loves you. That's why he sent his son, Jesus Christ, into the world to die in your place and to take the curse and to take the condemnation that was rightfully yours. He shed his precious blood for the forgiveness of your sins. If you accept his atoning death on the cross, he will and he can set you free this very moment. Isn't that wonderful? Jesus says, know the truth and the truth shall set you free. I think it's foolish to sit back and suffer the pain and anguish of sin, guilt and despair, when all the while Jesus is there ready and able to liberate you and to fill your life with joy and peace and victory. And he wants to breathe his Holy Spirit into you all over again. Jesus is reaching out to you in love this very moment. He's knocking on the door of your heart, but he never forces himself on anybody. You have to freely decide to invite him into your life. He wants to set you free from the hateful dominion of Satan who is out to destroy you for time and eternity. God wants to put his own Holy Spirit into the place of that unclean, tormenting spirit of bondage and fear. He wants to tell you what he had told his apostles after they saw him risen from the dead. Receive ye the Holy Spirit. Take the gift that God gives you 
by his grace and good pleasure. It's yours when you make that confession of faith and when you are baptized in water and in the spirit. You cannot do it by yourself, friend. No other human can do what Jesus Christ can do. Satan is not afraid of you nor of me. You are helpless until you come to Jesus. Without Jesus, you are really sunk. You are a dainty morsel for Satan apart from Jesus Christ. In other words, you are an easy prey for Satan apart from the Lord Jesus Christ. You are really inviting disaster. The only person Satan is afraid of is the Lord Jesus Christ. The only thing that threatens him is the name of Jesus because Jesus destroyed Satan and his power on that cross of Calvary 2,000 years ago and he knows it. It is your faith in Jesus that releases that redeeming and liberating power. Satan has to let go of you the moment you receive Jesus as Savior, the moment you confess him with your mouth as the Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Jesus says in the Gospel of John, Truly, truly, I say unto you, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. Isn't that wonderful? Did you hear that? You who are watching this telecast hath everlasting life. What a marvelous promise. The experience of heaven starts right now. And heaven is victory. But is past, he says, from death unto life. You're transferred immediately out of the kingdom of darkness, the kingdom of Satan, into the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Once the Lord saves you and he makes you a child of God, he also gives you a special authority. He authorizes you to exercise power over the demon spirits. He refers to these adverse spirits as snakes, serpents in the Bible. He talks, he refers to them as scorpions. And he tells us in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 10, verse 19, Behold, I give you authority to tread, that means to step on, to trample on, serpents, snakes, and scorpions, and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means harm you. Now I'll tell you, friend, that's not theory for me, and it's not simply a doctrine of faith, but it's experience. I have seen demons leave demonically oppressed people at the name of Jesus. When you exercise this authority in the name of Jesus, it works. And since I was baptized in the Holy Spirit in 1972, God has led me into this ministry of deliverance. And I can see in actual experience, in an actual fact, I've seen the power in the name of Jesus and what kind of influence it exerts upon demonically oppressed people. It sets them free. In other words, the evil spirits are put under subjection to you and to me 
and they have to obey you. You can do exactly what Jesus did when he ministered on earth to those who were demonically oppressed. He gives you the authority to expel demons, not only out of yourself, but also out of other people who are oppressed by demon spirits. The Lord gives you the power of attorney, in other words. While he is in heaven seated at the right hand of the Father in glory, you here on earth represent him and you have the right to use his name to get things done, especially to gain victory, to win over that enemy. I want to turn now to those who already are spiritually regenerated believers. Even if you are a believing, baptized member of the church, you possibly live a defeated life. You're not enjoying complete victory, possibly. You're suffering from a depression. You're vexed by spirits of fear and anxiety, tension and nervousness. You might be tormented by the spirit of bitterness and guilt. You could be oppressed by spirits of sexual impurity. But you might object and say, I'm a Christian believer, born again and spirit-filled. How can I have a demon living on the inside of me? Some professing Christians think that demons bother people only in other countries like in Africa or in Asia where pagan religions still exist. Others are under the impression that you have to be a lunatic or a notorious criminal in order to be demonically oppressed. No, brother. Demons delight to harass and vex the people of God in the church. Since the Lord led me into the ministry of deliverance in 1972, I've discovered afresh that some of the best people in the church are oppressed by demon spirits. And if you were to tell them so, it would probably be insulted. I don't have time to exhaust the subject of demonic oppression and deliverance today, but I want to continue this teaching next week. But I want to end today by pointing out that half of the victory against the devil is to recognize that he does exist, that he's real, and that he's out to destroy you in body, soul, and mind. Once you accept what he really is, then you can move ahead and put on the whole armor that God provides those who receive Jesus Christ as Savior. You can take the weapons he has supplied you with, namely the word of God and the blood of Calvary's cross. So don't sit back passively, friend. Don't sit back and take everything Satan throws out at you. Know your rights and your privileges. Put his demon spirits where they belong, under your feet. Rise and exercise your authority against those spirits, those snakes and spiritual scorpions. Remember the first sign of faith is to cast out demons in the name of Jesus. Put them to flight. And I want to pray for you right now. Bow your head. You may be vexed today by some adverse spirit. Bow your head and with closed eyes and a believing heart, receive what Jesus wants to give you today. Father, I thank you for the victory that we have in Jesus Christ. In that mighty name of Jesus, I come against every demon spirit that is afflicting that man or woman out there. And we give you all the honor and all the glory. Amen. Amen. Praise God. There's tremendous power in the name of Jesus. And a child of God has no need to suffer bondage when all the while we have that authority to take, take control of, that, of those demon spirits. Now, I'm going to ask you to write me this week 
and to share with me the blessings that you've received on this broadcast. I want to hear from you. I'm counting on your prayers and on your financial support for this program. Until next time, may God's richest blessing be with you. Father Stefano in this new broadcast of Inspiration and Faith. We hope you will tune in again next week for another half hour of Orthodox Christian Renewal. This program is made possible by the free will offerings of the viewers. Your prayerful and financial support is vital to the continuance of this telecast.